is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com on a beautiful day outside. It's almost kind of warm out there. Sunny in the 50s. Feels like shorts weather almost. So that's that's a win. Hopefully everybody's enjoying it out there. We got a big show coming your way. We got Mark Schlereth coming up at 3 o'clock. He is always can't miss radio. You never want to miss Stink. So he'll be with us at 3 o'clock. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we're going to speak with ESPN Giants reporter Jordan Ronan. Ronan? Is I saying that right? Can we get a Ronan. Smith? Can we get a Davis? Please. <laughs> Every day is a challenge with a name. You want me to tell you who the guy from the Panthers is? We've nailed that one. Ejero Avero. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. I went home last night. And practiced? I did. <laughs> Just in case there. Casey becomes there. the guy. And then if I mispronounced it, I was doing it out loud, I would I would hit myself. Yeah. Yeah. Punch myself in the leg. As you should. Yes. Yeah. You should be punished for that. Did you work on Dan Quinn? <laughs> Dan Quinn. That's that's what we want here. Yeah. That's uh, what we want. Uh, so Jordan Renan? Ronan. Ronan is going to join us. You're way off. That <laughs> was way off at 4 o'clock uh, as we continue our preview of uh, potential Seahawks coaching candidates. So we're giving you a little insight on each one of these guys because uh, obviously not many of them are well-known names. So everybody's kind of going, who's this guy? What's he about? So we're trying to educate our audience is what we're trying to do here. Do you kind of think about it, you know, these names and that maybe 10 years from now, We'll, we'll look back and either go, yeah, where'd that guy go? Or he's going to be like the next hot coach, like, you know, or he's becomes an Andy Reid down the road or, you know, Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick. Because, yeah, there's all these young guys. It's like a, a huge sort of coaching turnover yeah. this year. Ten years from now, we'll be going, he's the next McVay. He's the next uh, Shanahan. It'll yeah. be a different. It'll be a different uh, generation, and and there'll be new. Yeah, I, and I'm wondering. You know, not all of them are going to be superstars. Somebody's going to be Joshy Boy. Somebody will be that guy who, <laughs> yeah. who's a great coordinator, who gets multiple opportunities, and is just at this point. I would be surprised if he was ever in a position to be named head coach again. I think you know he's one of those guys. They go, "Yep, great coordinator, not a people guy, not a guy to lead lead a team." Yeah, so. I'm, I'm trying to think, um, you know, the, they're pretty much all coordinators, right? Um, yeah, Quinn's had head coaching experience, and Raheem Morris has had head coaching, head coaching experience. In terms of the Seahawks interview list, I don't think anybody – Vrabel's not on their list as far as we know. We, right. and, and then, obviously, Harbaugh and Belichick, uh, I don't know that they're speaking to them. So, yeah, of, of the candidates we're aware of, two of them have head coaching experience. Right, and and we've talked about this. I mean, th- this happens all the time, that you get a coordinator in there, like you mentioned, Joshy Boy, and he finds out, oh, I'm a coordinator. So, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's going to jump at the chance. I mean, obviously the money. But, oh, man, can you imagine being a head coach in the NFL? That is a lot of pressure. That is a lot of work. I mean, you're you're dealing, you're ahead of everything and not just the the players it's also the coaches and mostly the coaches really so yeah it's a it's a big job so it'll be I'll be very interested to see you know who makes it and who doesn't five ten years down the road so we'll uh yeah we'll continue to educate you on who the Seahawks are talking to in the meanwhile we went through an exercise last night where you and I came up with our our list of 10 most important Seahawks for this team in 2024 people you look at and say you need these 10 guys here. 
And it might be more than the minds of some, might be fewer in the minds of some. But we just said, let's go 10 names. Now, we're going to start with number one, right? Well, here's the thing is I didn't really put it in a ranking. Like, this is the most important player. I just went, all right, well, there's this guy, there's this guy. So I didn't yeah. I didn't go 10 is worth, you know, he's he's the least of the priorities and one is the most. I just went with my 10 guys. I just wrote 10. But I went one through 10. Did you? Okay. Yeah. The, the thing I noticed just off the bat is we have the exact same list in terms of the names except for one. We each, there's one player that I have that you don't, one player you have that yeah. I don't. Uh, but go ahead and give yours, since you did it in, in sequential order. Uh, so number one, we're starting with number one, Mike. Is that right? Just want to no. make sure. No, you work your way what? up. <laughs> Why would you ever start with number one? <laughs> because that's what Dave does. Dave, All right, whatever no. you did to Matt yesterday, that's what I'm going to show you soon. Number one over here. What did I do to Matt? Oh, you know, something we can't show on camera. A hand, hand gesture. A hand gesture. Oh, yeah, that. You told me what your IQ was. <laughs> <laughs> I made you number one. Uh, yeah, so number 10 we're starting with. Yeah, um, yeah we're going go with uh, K-9, Ken Walker. And, you know, I he is. Re- I felt like he kind of got a bad rap last year because uh, they just didn't commit to running the ball. And, and I thought... You know, look, he he did pretty much everything that that you want out of him, but he just didn't he didn't get a chance, um, and that was something that I thought you know was was wrong with the offense that they just didn't commit. And we talked about it a lot that you know they just didn't commit to it, um, and you know didn't have nearly enough attempts. He had 905 yards, so uh, 219 attempts, and it was like 10 less than he had last year. And last year he only played in 11 games, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think. Uh, to, to me, that's run game is a big part of it. But he showed me, I think that he can be sort of outside. There were times where he kind of looked like Barry Sanders a little bit. His his style of how he would cut back, and you know, you look at him and go, ah, "There's a lot of times you're like, ah, just go straight downhill." But it would always seem to work out. Yeah, he's I I love he's on my list again. I didn't go in order, so my number ten, just in the way I listed him, uh, is Jordan Brooks. They don't technically have a linebacker signed for next year, unless you're counting Nick Ballore or people like that. But of, of you know, Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, Devin Bush, all free agents. I think you're the one of those three that I'd say you bring back is Jordan Brooks. And I know you love that he's he's a guy that's always in the right spot or he makes the right choice. He's not the playmaker. He's not that big, you know, the the guy, the impactful guy. I, I guess I'm trying to. Yeah, think of the splash play. I guess is what I would call it. He's he do, he's not that guy. At least not yet. Maybe he's getting there. He did have the pick six, uh, but he, I'd like to see more of that. But I think he's solid. Do I think he's great? I don't think he's great. I think he's very good, and I think he's the best of the three, in my opinion. So he's my number ten. Yeah, I totally agree, and I, I think he's a very smart football player, um, and he, he's kind of somewhere in between. I think he's starting to become that guy that. Um, uh, that and he's, I believe I have him on my list too. But, you do, um, yeah. So, you have him at, well, I won't blow it, but yeah. he's on your list. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's starting to make those kind of plays. I mean, the, the prior seasons, his rookie year, he didn't really make any plays. He was good though, man. Like I remember his rookie year, watching him turn and look up deep crossers. I mean, those are fundamental things that usually rookies don't do, and that just really stood out to me. But he, you know, he had a couple tackles for loss, didn't really do anything. But as his career has progressed this last year he knocked down four passes we had the pick six you mentioned he had a fumble recovery where when he got the ball in his hand he looked like he was going to try to score four and a half sacks 
you know, 111 tackles. So, yeah, and he, he missed a few games as well, but he's very important. You're right. Really, he's the only – actually, he only missed one game, but it seemed like more. But he's the only guy that they have that, as far as I know, they're not bringing back Bobby, that they have at the linebacker position. So who do you have next on your list? Because I have the same player in that spot. Again, Not <laughs> I didn't rank them, but they happen to be in the same spot. Yeah, so to me, um, uh, at, I had Tyler Lockett. Yeah, that's where I put him. But yeah, yeah. So Tyler, I mean, I guess I put JSN, and you know, you'll probably guess this, and and DK ahead of him. But you know, for me, I was like, yeah, he's he's a really good, solid player, and I think you can always count on him. But you know, he's he's starting to get older, and mm-hmm. you know, you start to look at you know some of the younger guys, and but Tyler Lockett, I mean, he, he could be in the top five. It's just I think right now, um, as far as the you know the pass game goes, it's it's a little bit more important than the run game. So, you know, I have receiver heavy, but Tyler Lockett's definitely part of the list. Yeah, he was my next guy as well. And and he did I don't know if this year his numbers went down because of him or because of, you know, something else that was going on within the passing game, but it was the first year in four it was five seasons. He had four in a row of over a thousand yards receiving. And then this year eight ninety four. Yeah. Uh he had fewer catch last year he had eighty four catches, this year seventy nine. Uh, the year before that, 73. So he's, his career year is 100 catches back in 2020. Uh, had five touchdowns as opposed to nine last year. So, yeah, the production's down. I don't know if that's him getting older or, you know, you look at the catch-to-target ratio, wasn't awesome. 122 targets, 79 catches. Now, not every one of those, as we know, especially with Tyler, are bouncing off his hands. He's generally, if it's in the vicinity, he's coming down with the ball. Right. Yeah, and by the way, you can text in uh, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. I'm not asking you to put together a top 10 list, but if you think there's somebody that uh, should either be ranked higher or maybe uh, is is not on our lists here, who you think uh, is, is a top 10 guy going forward. And the next one, you know, I have, uh, I have Jordan Brooks there, mm-hmm. and you have Geno Smith. Yeah. Yeah, but not in any order. No, I didn't. I didn't go ranking. I didn't rank. I just went with my ten guys. So this eighth doesn't mean he's the eighth, you know, most important guy. He, he should be third or fourth. I just did my ten guys. But yeah, so we talked about Jordan Brooks. He's your number eight. I, I have Geno sitting there. Yeah, I think he's. You don't have a quarterback. You get rid of Geno. We've talked about this before. Who's your quarterback? Drew Locke's a free agent. I guess you could sign him. You know, to an extension. I don't know what kind of. Uh, what kind of desire is out there for his services elsewhere? Maybe there's another team looking at him that wants to give him a chance to compete for a job. I don't know what his market is. But you don't have anybody unless you feel like we're gonna make a trade for Justin Fields, perhaps, or we're gonna take a we're gonna take somebody at sixteen, you know, depending on you buy into these mock drafts, JJ McCarthy, but is he gonna be ready to start in year one? I just feel like Geno's the perfect guy to be there right now, especially if you go out and draft a young guy. Well, I'd be surprised if they move on from him. Uh, I would too. Uh, but, you know, one of the one of the, the strategies could be, I mean, I think the second most likely thing might be if, they, if they're not going to bring Jordan in, or I'm sorry, uh, have, bring Geno back, that you sign Drew Locke to a deal and then you draft somebody because I think they like his leadership and he spent a couple years with Geno and had his back and I feel like He's collaborative, you know, as far as sharing information on how to play quarterback, and that might be one way to go, that they they sign Drew Locke and, and draft a guy. Now, next on the list is where we have our differences in players. You've got a guy you, you've got 
I got Jordan uh, Julian Love. Yeah. Julian Love, you know, I almost left him off the list. And, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. This guy had a really good year. You know, he had four interceptions. Uh, he had Felt like it all came toward takeaway. the back end of the year, though, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the one where it bounced off of uh, Jamal Adams' head, that was the Cleveland game. I think it was the first half of the season. But, yeah, it all all came together at the end. But you look at the, the numbers that he had, tackles. There was a lot of times early on they weren't using him. They weren't using him that much. He was only being used like 60, 70% of the time. And then at the end of the year, it was more like 100% of the time. And he responded accordingly. He started he started playing really well. 253 says Dave is going to have Cody Barton number one, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. I'm going to just blow that secret right now. He does not have Cody Barton number one. Could be number two. Uh, you, so you've got Julian Love there. I've got Michael Dixon. Got to give some love to the punter, who's one of the best in the league, and he's a game changer. I mean, he flips the field for you. He is wildly consistent, and he's a weapon. And I think he's he's a guy that they, you know, as far as punters go, they put some sincere draft capital into him, and, and he's paid off. I think he's, you know, it's hard to celebrate a punter that very often, but I think he's crucial to what they, what they do. When you picked him, did you worry that the texters were going to text you that <laughs> – you about your selection? Uh, they ripped me for putting a punter on there. You didn't care. I'm gonna. Then I would just go. You don't know ball. That that seems to be the the line that people throw at you. Oh, if, right? if you disagree with their opinion, they go. You don't know ball. Hey, you know what? Before it came late in the season, he had like an NFL record. I, he didn't finish with that as far as net. And you know, look, a lot of that's on your coverage team, but also it's about you know when you get a good punter, he coordinates. I mean, I feel like all these guys can kick. 60 yards you know pretty much but um you know you got to coordinate it with your your coverage team and he gets enough height and altitude on those kicks that gives his guys a chance to get down there because that's really what you care about is the net you know you're not trying to just boom it every single time and yeah it's he, he's been really good i think you know i think as far as it, it looks like the punters in the league have all kind of captured that backward spin and mm -hmm. you know and i feel like they can all kick it you know, pretty far, but he's he does a good job with it, and that's something that's very underrated as far as the the headhunters, the guys that that go down, and and your punter. Those guys have to work very closely, and you know you coordinate that, and you know you want to get fair catches and down the ball inside the the ten yard line, and he's been he's been really good. He does flip the field, no question. Okay, my next guy we already talked about, Ken Walker. Yeah. Your yeah. next guy I have on the list higher, but again, not ranked, but who's your next guy? Yeah, JSN. Yep. Just because, you know, and I thought the really my theme on this as far as picking offensive players, and I do have Gino on the list, is that was really where they had to go last year. They couldn't run the ball, and they wouldn't commit to it. So, um, you know, your three wide receivers are going to come up come up big. So, yeah, JSN, it, it's funny how he's very subtle. He was kind of like that at Ohio State where it, like, it looks like he's not running that fast, but mm -hmm. he is. Um, it looks like his moves, his the subtlety of Tyler Lockett is, is kind of what I see in JSN. It's just like it, it's amazing how – and Steve Largent had this same thing where he would just do a little head nod or just a, a little step, and it would just entirely turn the defensive backs around. And he has that that quality. So, yeah, just, you know, number 20 pick and uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, he had a great, he had a great rookie year. And the other thing – 
we forget about him. He had surgery, man. He mm-hmm. had surgery early on on his wrist. We better get going here. Yeah. Uh, the next guy we have in the same spot, but you ranked him. It's Big Cat Williams. Big Cat Williams. We both feel the same way about him. you got to bring that guy back. He's yeah. a free agent. He, he was a monster last year. He really was. And, you know, you look at and I, I was close to putting Jay Reed on this list, but, yeah, Big Cat, he stopped I debated him, too. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He had a good he had a tough seven cut. sacks. Tough cut. Didn't make my list. Yeah. Uh, next for me is Boye Mafe, and I know he's on your list, and, yeah. and just he's a guy who seven games in a row with a sack. He's incredibly raw. We've talked about his lack of experience, yet he's productive. You'd like to see it be more. I mean, seven games in a row is nice consistency, but then just kind of disappeared for a while after that. I don't know if they adjusted to him, but his potential is really, really impressive. Yeah, and he just gets better and better and better. So that's where I had Geno Smith, um, who who we sort of talked about. But yeah, I mean, uh, uh, and I had I had Boye at at number three. Yeah, and I had JSN, so we don't need yeah. to talk about him. But yeah, Boye, I mean, he he just very. Like even in a game, he would gradually get better and better and better. Again, I keep mentioning the fact that he is a guy that I think is kind of raw and can still learn more football and just get better and better. And he just he's good against the run. He's a complete player. We both have uh, this guy number two, DK Metcalf, eleven hundred yards receiving, eight touchdowns on sixty six catches last year, sixteen point nine yards an average on his catches. I usually don't say this. I, I thought they should have thrown the ball way more to DK Metcalf. I, I don't ever do this when I'm doing the broadcasts with Steve, you know, and a, a couple of times on some of the booths you're you're looking down and I'm seeing him singled up and there's no there's no safety. There's no cover two safety over the top. There was just a guy in the middle of the field and I'm like, go to him and they did against San Francisco. Didn't didn't hit the big one, but they did he did get a pass interference uh penalty but uh yeah i just thought anytime you see him manned up and there's no help throw it to him yep i I did they didn't do it nearly enough and then you and i had the same number one d eskridge so uh that's what i'm just kidding Ah. Uh, listeners went what no (laughs) devin witherspoon come on we've been singing his praises from the day he got here and he's had an impact since the day he started he didn't even play in the first game of the season didn't play a moment in preseason and he is arguably the best player on the team this past season. Yeah, well, and you look at how much he's out on the field. So some of these guys get taken off, and they're part-time players, and he is he just had a huge impact. I love also his juice, just the way that he's always fired up. Intense. Kind of, yeah, and he kind of talks a little bit. Annoyed. He has fun out there. But, man, you know, remember, he also had a huge hit. I can't remember who the receiver was on Arizona. So this guy can the little the little guy, right? The smaller guy, yeah. yeah. But he he was still he a good delivered hit. A, a a good shot there. So he's not just a guy that runs around the field and makes the play makes plays on the ball. He's a guy that can he can play in the box. All right, let's take two. Well, first mentioned by a noted NFL reporter Snoop Dogg, and then echoed by a pro football talk, uh, we got insight that Pete Carroll wants to go cho- uh, coach the Chargers. However, uh, today, NFL Network's Mike Garofolo reports the Chargers are close to a deal with Jim Harbaugh. It, it still continues to surprise me, and you forget that Pete Carroll's out there, free agent, has made it clear he'd like to coach. He wanted to remain the coach here, so it's not him hanging it up like Nick Saban saying, I'm retired. You've got him with a Super Bowl title, multiple trips to a Super Bowl, won a national title as a college football coach. You've got arguably the greatest coach in the history of the game and Bill Belichick making it clear he'd like to coach. 
and there's little to no interest in either one of them. I think Belichick's only spoken with the Falcons, as far as I know. Yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, to best, I, I, you're looking at age, right? Yeah. Obviously, is this ageism? Is that what's going on? Yeah, maybe. I mean, look, when you look at Pete, though, come on. Well, who would ever think, oh, that guy's too old? I mean, you interview that guy one time, and you're like, yeah, this is the guy I want. I, Pete could sell himself. Yeah, I feel like... I didn't think it originally that he would end up with a coaching job, but I think he's going to, whether it's college or the NFL, I think he's going to be a head coach next year. Well, a day after firing Sean Desai, the Eagles have let go of offensive coordinator Brian Johnson, so they will need two coordinators, as we kind of heard a couple weeks ago from Dan Graziano. And Dave Canales is now getting serious momentum for the Panthers head coaching job because of his connection in Seattle to now Panthers GM Dan Morgan. Yeah, Dan Morgan, GM and president of football operations. He's got the dual title, so a little more oomph there. You ever seen Dan Morgan? You ever see him walking around? I probably haven't. Didn't realize it was him. He's got, like, that very intimidating look. Kind of like how A.J. Hawk looks on that, that broadcast. Like, <laughs> Does he look intimidating? Or he looks like a statue. Yeah. I mean, he's got Dan Morgan was a tough dude, and I'm just curious how he's going to get along with – the owner there, David Tepper, but uh-huh. um, yeah, Dave Canales. It, it's it's amazing how you, you heard the talk and it started to build towards the end of the year, and yeah, you saw him out there calling plays for Tampa, and all of a sudden he's starting to become one of those uh, head coaching candidates. All right, take two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org/slash/cyberknife/prostate. Coming up, we're about to learn a fascinating lesson next season about what went wrong with the Seahawks offense. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten. Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. prefer it either dave <sighs> boy should we, should we let people in it's a it's a subject we've hit many times before but there's a perpetrator in the building somebody who's just got a really bad habit of not flushing the urinal why why what do they what i don't get the mentality what's the what's the motivation they think they're saving water they're not because i'm gonna flush it use it flush it again right and it, why wouldn't you just use it because I don't want any little splatter coming up on my. If there pants. happens to be, if there happens to be a splatter and it's your own, you live with that. I don't prefer it, as we you said. Don't prefer but, it, but but I can tolerate it. Somebody more else's. Somebody else's splatter. Where that filthy animal has been. Nobody wins. What he's putting in his body. Nobody wins, Dave. <sighs> I don't get what what's going on with some people, and we know it's out in the newsroom because I, we've got a very contained staff here. We know when we're here late at night, when it's just me and you and Lefko and Matt. It happens, and we're the only four on this side of the building. So it's somebody on the news side. Yeah. Those responsible journalists out there don't even know how to flush a toilet. Come on, man. <laughs> Monsters. <laughs> out there breaking news, doing doing society a favor, yet they, they've got these terrible habits. I don't understand what's going on, but uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, meanwhile, what is it the Bears are seeing in Shane Waldron that we didn't see here, Dave? What is it that made him... And I don't, this is not a bash Shane Waldron moment because I feel like he wasn't bad, but I just don't feel like he was great. And I don't know how much of it is him. You know, it made me wonder, all right, the Bears see something in him to bring him, you know, and I don't know that it's official, but the word is he's going to be their their offensive coordinator. So I'm looking at him going, 
All right, if I'm the Bears, what is it that sold me on him? Do they is there maybe a perception that he was not being held or he was being held back maybe by Pete or he didn't have the talent that we have here and he can really, you know, cut loose out here? What what do you think? Yeah, I you know, I talked to somebody uh with with the Seahawks and and they felt like at the end of the year he was one of the the really good teachers. You know, which leads me to believe that, you know, maybe this is about something else. You know, this is this is not about Shane. Maybe he didn't, you know, because we talked about the two things that that I just complained about. And really, if you were to ask me, you know, what were my biggest complaints last year offensively was that we just didn't uncork it enough. I mean, you got, like I said, DK singled up. Let's go, man. Trust, what about lack of commitment to the run? Trust is that your Pete guys. or is that Shane? Well, I'm getting to that. Oh, all right. But, yeah, I mean, to, to me, that that was that was the huge part. But, yeah, the the lack of commitment to the run, you, you wouldn't think it would be Pete, right? I mean, Pete is one of those guys that Not that's that's what he wants to do. He wants to play good defense. He he wants to he wants to run. But um, yeah, I don't. Uh, those were two glaring problems. Now, I guess there's a chance. I don't know what the chain of command is, right? I mean, I, I feel like with Pete, he has said before. I leave these guys alone. They operate with autonomy. It's not like I'm constantly leaning over their shoulder. I trust my assistants. But, I mean, and I don't know if it just kind of gradually, you know, it's, maybe it's one of those things like at the end of the year, Pete looked at it and went, oh, man, we really didn't commit to the run. Like, it didn't seem like it situationally, you know, and there's, you could, he could probably take you through a bunch of situations where, okay, we started off with this, now it's first and 15, um, and now this comes up, and now it's second and 12. You know, you tell me where to run. Yeah. Where, when are we supposed to run here? I feel like that's what happens, that a game gets on top of you, all of the situations, and then you get away from the things that you do best. But um, And I, I don't really even know if that's what we did best because we didn't commit to it, the running game. So that those are the two head-scratching things. But I would throw in the caveat that you know maybe it had to do with maybe they're having conversations. Maybe Shane is telling the Bears, here's what I wanted to do, man. And you know we weren't able to get to it. Yeah, because you look at them, I mean, they rank toward the bottom of the league when it comes, well, in most categories, on both sides of the ball. We talked about it. Their best, The best ranking they had was 14th, and that was passing yards. You know, everything else was, I mean, their third down conversion's terrible. Their their yards per game is terrible. Their Red attempts zone. were way down. Yeah. So, uh, K.J. Wright was asked about this in, in relation to Shane Waldron, and he says, you know, here's he's explaining why he wouldn't fully blame Waldron for the third down problems and the run game issues. Oh, so Brock, what do you do when you're when you try to run the ball and it's not effective when you're getting stalemated at the line of scrimmage? Then on top of that, you can't even get the run game going because you're bottom five of the league when it comes to third down. And so I look yeah. at I look at Shane. I feel like he's trying to run the ball. But K-9, O-line, give me something. But, Gino, I need you to keep me going on third down so I can come (laughs) back to it. And so I look at football, and everything's connected. Every The play calling, the third down, the O-line, the run game, everything has got to be in sync. Yeah, you know what I always think of uh, as far as that goes, the situations? Uh, Looking at the the Ram game, you know, the Los Angeles Rams at – LA they end up losing that game remember Pete talked about it in his uh, exit press conference like shoot you know we missed it you know we five yards away from that being a, a field goal that we we could kick um in in that game there were so many times where the situations were 
dead ball foul or a holding penalty or something like that, and it put you into passing situations. You just didn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that that's all part of it, like KJ is saying, you know, and then there's it's more than like you, it's like when you get a, a guy who carries the ball two times for 30 yards, you go, wow, he had a 15-yard average. Why didn't they have him, you know, carry it more? Why didn't, yeah. uh, why didn't they give him the ball? Well, it doesn't really work out that way. It's it's a lot of times just situations. So, you know, we're looking at stats. and But just thinking back, I thought they put themselves in bad positions because of mistakes and things like that. But then, you know, then there's a couple of times where you see they have a nice run set up and you, know, you see Aaron Donald or somebody like that blast through the line and tackle for loss. And now you're looking at third and long. Yeah, and and certainly that's that's part of it. There, there's no doubt about it. And the line had their issues, you know, staying healthy. We never knew who was going to be on the line for a good part of the season. So that's not saying that doesn't play into it. But there were, man, it felt like at least four or five games. I remember Pete post game press conference. Ah, man, we just didn't run as much as I would have liked to. Yeah, he said it. He said it himself, unprompted. Nobody, nobody asked the question. There were it was his lament right there. Yeah, really. We, we we got to get that goal. We got to get that goal. Yeah. You know, we we need to get the, that run game going. We need. I wish we could. We had more attempts. Those were his words. Yeah. So he was aware of it, and it was. Yeah, I'm not saying they're you know they're opening giant holes, and why aren't you taking advantage of it? But there's also just a general lack of commitment to it. You know, because that's how the run game goes. Not every every running play is going for three, four, five, six, seven yards. Sometimes you're you're. No gain. Sometimes you lose a yard. Then you bust one for seven. And then that's just the nature of it. And it's the commitment to it. Like, hey, no, we're going to keep pounding this thing. And I get getting off schedule. Yeah, third third and ten, you're not running the ball. I get that. But that's not always true. That wasn't always true for them. That they were always in this third, no. you know, right. terrible situations. Yeah, you're right. It should have been more of that. And you know what? The game that really mystifies me, I did a football one-on-one thing on this when they played the Commanders. They had a couple of plays where just a post and pull and a, a trap, you know, and have the tight end up. It was just beautiful. I mentioned it in the in the tape when I'm talking. I'm like, it's one of my favorite things. It's like a, a really good pick and roll in basketball, or you see a beautiful throw from the outfield to home plate uh, to get a runner out. Watching a team and, and their run scheme get a body on a body. And that's what the 49ers do so well, and they're so committed to it. You look at their their receivers are just ridiculous as far as their blocks down downfield. But that was a time when they were – they were really operating really well with the run game, and they had it. And you're like, "That's it. They have the formula." And then, yeah, they just they just ended up getting away from it. But you know, and also it's about the sequence of of calling plays, and really, it's kind of an art form. I remember when Mike Holmgren was here, and I, I remember there were those commercials for season tickets where he's up on a chalkboard and you're on the other side of it looking through. It's like plexiglass, mm-hmm. and he's drawn up all these plays and everything. And I'll never forget there was a, a third and 15 one time in, in a game, and they ran a draw to Max Strong, and Max Strong picked up 16 yards. And it was just like perfectly orchestrated, like I was talking about, uh, a body on a body. And some guys, you know, they have a knack for that. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said, it's like a, an art form. And that's that was Holmgren. Um, and so I don't I don't know that that Shane Waldron necessarily has that. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's obviously he's he's got uh, the attention of the rest of the NFL, but it just didn't ever come to fruition here. 
All right, coming up, there was a key omission from uh, one position group in our list of important Seahawks for 2024, and it's got ramifications uh, for their offseason. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. Coming up at 3 o'clock in less than 15 minutes, Mark Schlereth joins us on the program. You never want to miss that conversation. As we always say, a very nervous 20 minutes for Dave Wyman. He's got his finger just hovering over the dump button. Yeah, I, Matt, you better you better be beware. It's been a long time. That's I'm what I'm just scared. saying. You know, it, he's due. He's, he's due, due to, to say something. <laughs> it's been like seven or eight weeks. He's been on his best behavior. We've had to hover over the, the dump button. Yeah, almost so. a month since he's done the one thing we can't do. Way to go. Good job. <laughs> for, for a guy who has a radio show every morning, by yeah. the way. And who knows that he can't do that. Well, it's like I said, when he comes out here, he feels like he can just do whatever he wants, you know, come in here. Woo. <laughs> always reminds me of that scene from uh, The Hangover. Oh, let's go to Vegas and get drunk and act stupid. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Yeah, that's that's Mark when he comes on this show. Yep, that's pretty Ooh. much it. He, there's yeah. a sense of freedom he feels yeah, yeah. when he's with us. It's it's yeah. fun, but it can be a little nerve wracking. But uh, we'll see. You know, hey, buckle up. He's going to join us at three o'clock. Not up in here. Not up in here. Uh, meanwhile, you and I went through our list. If you just joined us, Dave and I picked out our ten most important Seahawk players for 2024. Dave did his in order. I just threw out 10, and a lot of them matched. Uh, but we only we had nine of the same players. Our only difference was I had Michael Dixon. You had Julian Love. That was the, Everybody else was exactly the same. So great minds think alike. But hmm. we didn't have uh, – I don't know about that punter thing still. I'm still processing that. He's big. He's I'm big. Kidding, yeah. um, we didn't have any old linemen. And I, I, I would say if Abe Lucas were healthy – he most certainly would have been on your list and my list without quite. And I was close to putting. You brought up Jaron Reed. He was. I was like, oh, man, Reed, he yeah. had a good year, but is he part of the future? Is he? You know, I don't know. And then Charles Cross was a guy. I think. I think he's a solid left tackle. I don't think he's a liability by any stretch. You know, he got hurt. Lucas got hurt. Everybody dealt with an injury on that line at some point this season. Yeah, and I just there were a couple of times where I remember him. You know, look, it's not like he didn't give up a sack his rookie year, but. I remember the the one pass to DK in the end zone to in Baltimore, and he just he gave up way too much, and honestly, almost almost blew out Geno's knee uh, when he stepped into that throw. And there was there was a few of those this year. You know, I was going to ask you though, if this was last year and we had to construct the top ten, don't you think you'd have had Abe Lucas and Charles Cross in there probably? Yeah, because we were really excited about how they played in their rookie yeah. year, and Abe was you know more available it felt like it just the whole line was kind of in a shambles this year and i thought you know if you're going to judge them in totality they did a pretty nice job of of holding it together they weren't great by any stretch but considering the amount of just rotation that was going on there was crazy yeah i'm trying to remember when we played the giants was that like week three or four or five or whatever and you know i remember at that point um, they were they were complaining in, week in four. New York week four. They were like, oh, we had we haven't had the same offensive line the entire time. Like that's exactly what we have, and we had uh, still been you know I think at that point we were three and one three and after one. that game. Yeah, so um, yeah, it was there was lots of complaining about it. But then you know who's I was going to say as far as offensive line goes, who really I think 
if you look back to to his rookie year, uh, he's he's been I'd say a pretty big disappointment. Is Damian Lewis? I mean, he came yeah. in his rookie year and he he just at, at guard. It's kind of hard to notice, uh, you know, whether the guy's playing well or not. And he really he really did play well. And then you know, same thing. Uh, and then twenty one, twenty two. I think he came in in twenty twenty. Uh, it was just like maybe it was twenty one. Um, but he he just. I don't know. He just didn't show up. You didn't really see him. You saw him get beat a couple of times, and he hasn't really become that force. Yeah. You know, um, you you look at, uh, like over the weekend, looking at Frank Ragnow, their center. I mean, the, when offensive linemen stand out, that's when you're like, okay, these guys are these guys are really good, and that just didn't happen. Now, I think Abraham Lucas would have stood out if he'd have been healthy, and that's obviously a huge uh, if. But Abraham Lucas is is really a good football player, yeah. but he just didn't have the chance to get going. And I think well, and if, I think you and I both questioned, man, is this going to be a chronic thing where the idea yeah. of him playing seventeen games, fifteen games, is that even realistic? Yeah. See, I, I think that uh, I think if he had been healthy all year, then that you know that may be one of the more disturbing parts of, if you want to call it that, as far as you know when you think about going forward. Abraham Lucas and that knee injury, I mean, because I hope he doesn't become one of those guys you see him his rookie year and he's just fantastic and then he never really gets back out on the field like Kyle Lewis and we keep comparing it yeah, to that, so but that's kind of how it A how chronic it condition as opposed – I'd be happier if it were, hey, he tore his cartilage or he tore his MCL or something. I don't want that to happen, but at least you know, hey – Go get it fixed. Yeah, it gets fixed. Guys come back from it. They're good as new, where his sounds like it's something that's going to just have to be managed. And he's a young guy. This is his second season, and this was true in his rookie season. It was something that existed that, hey, we're going to have to work around and find ways. And it's like, man, you're starting this when he's this young and he's that big. What's that going to be like in three years, four, five years? You know, so I just I, – I love him as a player, but – you got to be available. Now, quickly, I want to play this cut from Daniel Jeremiah, but where are you at with Charles Cross? How did you feel like he played this year? Just okay. I mean, he wasn't a huge liability, and it's not like he was giving up sacks right and left. You know, I was looking up Geno's numbers, you know, and where he ranks as far as sacks. Where do you think? His middle. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. He got sacked fewer times this year than last year, I think. Yeah. I, I think, well, you look at every almost every one of his stats and then you look at how he's paid i mean so yeah it was not surprising to see it was like number 15 or 16 i can't remember the number if it was like 38 or something like that but um yeah i mean it, it he was he was okay he was just okay i didn't you know see him uh, i felt like with uh, with abraham lucas well and, and cross too their rookie year there were because we usually talk to ray roberts about that but there was a couple of times where i saw things and i would text ray i'm like is this as good as i think it is and he's mm -hmm. like absolutely you know and so yeah we didn't really have any of that this last year but you know you say all that knowing that that is by far the hardest position to grade especially for a fan and people that and it's all of us, really. You don't know what the call is. You don't know whether he's supposed to get help from that tight end. You don't know if there's supposed to be a chip block that he's – and, you know, it's one thing that, like, oh, why do you need a chip block? It's not about that. It's that I'm expecting that. And if you don't do it, and all of a sudden I look really bad. So it, it is something that's very hard to to evaluate if you don't know everything.
Yeah, quick thought here from uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who was on with Brock and Saul, breaking down why Troy Fautanu would be a, a very good pro for this team or any team to look at. He was so explosive, and his ability to just kind of roll his hips and really explode from the ground up is pretty unique, uh, especially amongst this group. And whether or not, you know, teams, some teams want to play him inside a guard, we can be dynamic in there. I think he can hold up a tackle if you want him to do that. Uh, but he just got, he's got length and he is explosive. I like hearing that. Yeah. And I could see them looking at O-line again. I mean, you, you've got Olu, Olu Watimi is your young guy at center. Evan Brown, I thought was kind of okay. Bradford is a rookie. He got thrown in there and I thought he had some really good moments. He had some real rookie moments. I don't, I'm not, you know, losing faith in him at this point. I think he's he's a huge guy, and he's he's got a ton of potential. But he's got a lot of nastiness too. That's yeah. the other thing. And he contained that. There was times early on. I'm like, okay, Rook, come on, man, you got to reel it back in. And then you know, and really in the Monday night game, he had one where I thought he was going to get a penalty, but he actually drew a penalty. But yeah, that guy. I mean, you need at least one of those guys that just wants to crush people. Yeah, yeah, and he he comes across as that. All right, coming up, uh, always entertaining, sometimes nerve-wracking. You never know what he's going to say, what direction it's going to go, but Mark Schlereth, he's going to join us next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.